Yeah, I'm quitting. I'm <laughs> formally tendering my resignation. I'm trying very hard to take you seriously right now. <laughs> I want to run out a flag with the team. And it says... The schedule's just right. The schedule is too easy. What is iPod? What is a text message? That's so stupid. Why wouldn't you just call somebody on the phone? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Okay, as we mentioned this week, ESPNU and SiriusXM will be holding a virtual pep rally featuring BYU in Western Kentucky. Nicole Auerbach is a senior college football writer for The Athletic and will host the pep rally. I spoke to her earlier this morning on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. All right, Nicole, uh, in a pandemic, we've had to figure out how to do different things. Pep rallies uh, are one of them. Tell us how you're going to have a virtual pep rally that involves BYU and Western Kentucky. Well, very excited for this. Um, I think it's going to be the appropriate level of absurd for it being a pep rally that we are all doing from home. We are going to do it over Zoom, like pretty much everything these days. Um, The mascots will be involved. Athletic directors from both sides will be involved. And fans, too. And so, you know, I think it's just about trying to get some excitement for a game with these two fan bases now suddenly have a history together thanks to, you know, a, a mascot poll in the pandemic. And I, I bet that that would have actually manifested with fans going to a game, right? Like you would go to a place you're never going to play at otherwise. Um, and so you don't have that this year. And so I think anything that can kind of, you know, connect people and have a space to talk about it, um, you know, does that. And, and I think, you know, the game was scheduled before we, we knew how good BYU is going to be this year. Um, and I think that adds something to it, although I'm sure the Western Kentucky fans would rather uh, go back to a mascot competition, perhaps, than uh, maybe football right now. But I think it's going to be really fun. And, um, you know, we'll see if that type of event actually, like, works and, and is fun and enjoyable. You know, maybe that is something that, that can be added towards some of the bigger games this year because – you know, without tailgating, without pep rallies, without those things, it does feel like something is missing. Yeah, that, that sense of community is really important. It's coming up Thursday night, October 29th, 7 Eastern. You can find out more information on SiriusXM.com slash pep rally. And like you said, this game does not happen without the SiriusXM poll. So thank you for that, which is great. Um, what did you think of that poll during the summer when it came down to these two masks, uh, Cosmo and Big Red, two of the best in the country? Yeah, they, first of all, they are two of the best mascots in the entire country. But I was shocked because I thought, you know, one of the big blue blood programs that has a zillion alumni would take over this poll, right? I mean, this was a really good indication and reminder about how, like, dedicated and diehard these types of fan bases are. Because if I'm remembering correctly, these were, like, play-in mascots. Like, yeah. these were, like, 16-seed mascots. So this was, like, a sustained commitment from these fan bases over a period of days to get them to this point. Obviously the very controversial, um, you know, finish and and whether or not (laughs) votes were bought. Honestly, this like entertained, this got me through like an entire week of early quarantine when there was nothing to do. I was just like glued to this, glued to this mascot debate. It was actually quite, quite hilarious. Yes, bot, B-O-T, I think is the appropriate spelling on that. Uh, So BYU and Western (laughs) Kentucky are going to match up. And again, this game doesn't happen, I think, without that contest because then the two ADs are publicly talking about getting a game. 
And then here we are on Halloween, BYU and Western Kentucky. Certainly, both teams are not what we thought they'd be at this point. Western Kentucky, a 9-4 and four team, have struggled 2-4, and four, uh, survived against Chattanooga after a crazy finish where they run back a, a kick return for a touchdown, but the up-back calls a fair catch, they bring it back. BYU 6-0 and ranked 11th. So what do you think of the matchup Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it'll necessarily be all that close. Um, you know, I, I think personally, I think BYU is head and shoulders above um, Western Kentucky. It does seem like one of those years for them where, um, you know, things aren't going right and, and they got to work through some stuff. Um, you know, that, that place, it's interesting because you've seen a number of head coaches kind of use it as a springboard and you have seen other head coaches struggle at times. It's, it, it, it can be really great, but you can also go through these growing pains. Um, but on the other hand, like BYU has just been one of the biggest stories in the country this year. And I think, you know, the way that they have been in our TVs on our, you know, just kind of like in our collective like awareness is because they've been playing a lot, right? They've had Friday night games. They've had these, time slots where they were the only show in town. And I think people really bought into Zach Wilson in this offense. I mean, you're hearing him as a Heisman contender. Um, and these are things that don't normally happen. It actually feels like one of those years where there is more respect for the group of five than ever. And I, I sort of wonder if it's because they started to play first, maybe that contributed to it. But if you look at the top 25 polls, you look at the way people are talking about both BYU and Cincinnati, I think you feel that. And so I think, you know, obviously we would have loved to see BYU, this team play against its original schedule, but Tom Holmo did an incredible job building a schedule out of nowhere, basically had one and a half games from the original schedule left there and in providing, you know, competition to the point where, again, we're, we're, we're really excited about this team. And we also know they've got Boise state and, and San Diego state and some teams that got added late that really can provide an opportunity to, you know, talk about a New Year's Six Bowl if you go undefeated or at least measure out, like, and we can see where this BYU team is, even though their schedule didn't have and couldn't have any Power 5 opponents this year. Yeah, it's the thing I've been talking about for a couple of years, which has been interesting. I've been saying, I don't know why BYU is playing these tough schedules. I don't know what the point is. If you don't win 10-plus, you're just not relevant. And here BYU sits, obviously, an easier schedule. 6-0, and and you wrote an article during the summer about, yeah, like you said, you said one and a half games, right? It was Houston and North Alabama. Houston moves to a road game. BYU survives that and thrives in that, uh, coming back down late. North Alabama, the FCS team. Tom Homo had to make up the schedule. You talked to him and wrote an article, and here BYU is thriving in that schedule. What do you think of the job Tom Homo did to just get a schedule together, which is now up to 10 games? Yeah, I, I think it's remarkable because if that were me, <laughs> you know, he was talking about like sleepless nights and, you know, feeling better about things one day and, and worse about everything the next, like it would have been so close to, to not play, you know, to just fold it in. I mean, they were essentially the only team out West uh, that, that was trying to play, you know, and, and until the Pac-12 decided to come back and the Mountain West decided to come back. Uh, it looked like they were going to be going at it alone. And it, it, it is remarkable that, A, they found people to play. They made it work. They even had the luxury of, you know, a couple of buy games that they could offer. So they were able to bring people to Provo. Um, there were a lot of different pieces that uh, he walked me through, along with Dave Brown, who's like, the scheduling guru who helped him here. And it, it is remarkable. And, and even in that conversation, which we talked, would have had to been the end of August, early September, right before the Navy game, 
he was saying that he was hopeful, but didn't want to jinx it, that he could add more games. And we've seen that. We've seen games get added since. Um, so again, it's the best case scenario because when you have power leagues going conference only, which all of them did except, you know, you got the one exception in the B, the Big 12, one in the ACC, but there's restrictions on where the games can be played. Um, it, it's totally limiting. But it, it is interesting because I think in normal years, you want the quality of the opponent. You do want those, those power five opponents, the name brands. Um, you want to be considered a program like that. But we are seeing this year the benefit of not playing a totally brutal schedule. Because like you said, I mean, they're undefeated. We're talking about them. You have a Heisman contender and quarterback. I don't know if that happens if right now if you've lost two games. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've been calling for about three power fives, uh, plus Boise State, and throw in Cincinnati and or USF where there's still some good games. So we'll see what BYU does moving forward. But next year they have seven power fives. And we'll see if Zach Wilson comes back for his senior year, which uh, brings us to the Wilson topic. You mentioned he's in a Heisman candidacy right now. What have you thought of his junior season and the potential for him to, to be a Heisman candidate at the end and or high draft pick? I think he's been insanely fun to watch um, and, and, and just really enjoyable. I think um, it, it's hard for, for someone in his shoes to actually win the Heisman, as, as we all know. I mean, we've seen so many times where it's the quarterback of, you know, a team that's playing in the national championship game or whatever it might be. And I think that, um, you know, for him, though, I, I think there's absolutely a chance that he can become – a finalist um, and earn a trip to New York, assuming that they do trips to New York this year um, based on, you know, his numbers alone and being in the national spotlight. That is the key when you are a group of five player um, or just outside of the power of five, because he's not technically either. Um, but outside of the spotlight of the Alabamas and Clemson's, this is just a tough year because, you know, it's, it's Trevor Lawrence, it's Justin Fields. Mac Jones is kind of, um, you know, kind of getting in that mix too. Um, but, but to me, there's no reason that he can't be a finalist. Um, and, and, and you've got to think that his draft stock is improving as well, because again, he's become must see TV. Um, his skill set is interesting and you know, this is just the NFL is changing. Um, and, and they go for guys that, that look like him and play like him. Um, so I think it's going to be really fun to, to follow along. And, and I do hope that he's able to get a trip to New York because I always love when you get someone who's like a defensive player or, you know, a running back or receiver, someone not just not a quarterback from Alabama or Clemson, just anyone who's outside of that mold um, from non-traditional places that we haven't seen in a while. Obviously BYU has this history, um, you know, of, of the passing attack and so many influential moments in college football history. I think it's cool to have a BYU quarterback back in these types of conversations. Indeed it is a restoration of the brand, if you will, and the philosophy. We're talking with Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic and SiriusXM, ESPNU, Pep Rally coming up on Thursday night. Let's talk about uh, BYU's schedule. So if they go 10-0 and and have a win against Boise State, which you think would be the best win on the schedule, is that enough to be a New Year's Six at large? It would depend on everyone else. Um, and I know that's not a fun answer, but, a, but the problem with, the, with projecting these things out is that, you know, it, nothing happens in a vacuum. So you need to be, they, they can't qualify for the group of five champion spot because that is specifically a champion, a conference champion. Um, so it's a little bit similar to the way we think about Notre Dame making the 14 college football playoff is, 
you know, you have to be unequivocally better than others. So they, they, they're going to need one of the at-large spots for New Year's Six Bowl, which I think is possible. I absolutely think that that is possible. Um, and I think that there would be people pushing for that. And, and part of that is, like you mentioned, I mean, a win over Boise State, the amount of respect that that would demand, um, I think it's possible. But it will depend on how the group of five races shake out, um, where, where those teams are slotted, and, and you go from there. But, um, again, you're going to have a luxury of maybe get more games played than some other leagues and some other potential candidate at-large teams um, plus again, th this year is just going to be so subjective with, with fewer data points, um, that the eye test matters. And the fact that like, we like watching BYU, we have a lot of respect for this offense. We've seen them a lot. These are things that could end up mattering with a human selection committee. Do you feel like BYU with the risk reward of potentially blowing up that opportunity or helping themselves, that it'd be worth it to add a Marshall who has November 28th open, for example? It's an interesting question. I mean, Marshall's a really good team, um, and it, it, it could be. I, I think it, it's hard to tell, right, because we don't know how many games everyone else is going to get through, and you also don't really know what's going to happen, let's say, with Cincinnati. Like, are they really going? My colleague Chris Vanini wrote this week that they should be, like, college football playoff consideration. Whoa. If they go up into that mix, what does that mean for the near six spots, right? So, so it's definitely there's there's still moving pieces and and ways to figure that out. So it's a little little too early to predict anything like that. But I do love the idea of a game against Marshall. I think that's also a really fun team this year. Could be fun potentially a ranked matchup late in the season, a bracket buster, if you will. Let's finish with this, Nicole. Uh, how do people sign up to participate in the pep rally Thursday? Yeah, so um, it's through SiriusXM. We are sponsoring it and, you know, figuring out the tickets. So if you go to the SiriusXM college Twitter account, they will have links and everything you need to know to join us. Um, but we want fans from, from both sides, um, but especially diehard BYU fans to, uh, to join in. We're going to have Cosmo there. We're going to have the athletic director, Tom Holmo, um, and it should be a good time. It's Thursday night, 7 Eastern. Nicole, great stuff. We appreciate the time. Absolutely. Anytime. The consummate professional, Nicole Auerbach, on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Did some crack research after the interview. It turns out uh, she has the same spelling of a last name as the great Red Auerbach. Yeah. They are not related, though. They're not related, the Boston Celtics uh, coach. So Nicole actually tweeted three minutes ago uh, in relation to Chris Vinini, who she mentioned at The Athletic, mm -hmm. who's been on the show before as well. Marshall's 5-0, and only has three games left. Um, da -da -da. She said, as my friends at Provo know, Fully support adding a BYU Marshall game to the sketch. November 28th, question mark. We've talked about it. The risk-reward of that possibility. Should BYU add a game or not? And uh, we felt like, mm, no, 10-0 is probably good enough. But now that the Big Ten's back, I'm, I'm uh, backtracking on that a little bit. I'm kind of like, oh, maybe they do. I don't know. Stay relevant. you got to be in the conversation. And, and that would leave no doubt. That right. would leave no doubt. It would also take BYU out of it. That's the other end of it. So the risk-reward. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It is time now for Cougars in the Rankings, presented by Delta Airlines with the appropriately titled moniker, Keep Climbing. Yeah, because I, that's what yeah, BYU is yeah, doing. Yeah, exactly. This is perfect. AP, 11. In the coaches poll, number 10. 
The Bill Connolly S&P Plus, number 10. Sagarin, number 6, Jerem. But then there's the football power index from ESPN, 18. Mm-hmm. So which is the most accurate of the two extremes? Sixth in the Sagarin or FBI's 18th? In 2014, BYU was 19th at 4-0 after two Power 5 wins, right? Um, I would think that, so it'd probably be closer to the 18th in a normal regular season. But uh, BYU took advantage. They got out in front. Like, I ran cross country for like one year in high school. I was the sprint out of the gate and then be slow later guy. That's what BYU did, right? They're going to slow down a little bit as the schedule. BYU has fewer games and fewer, uh, you know, notable games later. Boise State, obviously, next week is massive. Well, it's one. natural as you climb higher in the rankings anyway, regardless right. of what's Your happening. Your rate of progression will slow down. BYU, There's not much room to move. Right. So probably close to the 18th. I don't, I don't think BYU is a top six or top eight team quite yet. Uh, but if you're undefeated at the end of the year, when the dust settles, BYU is going to be in the top ten. No doubt. No, no. I'm going to take the regression to the mean here with the other polls. AP, coaches, S&P Plus, 10, 10, and 11. I think BYU is right in the middle. Technically speaking, 10 would be closer to 6 than it would be 18. So, yeah, probably lean towards the Sagarin rating. The football power index weights the schedule and difficulty of such really heavy compared to some of these other metrics and the human polls. So, like, technically speaking, they're closer to Sagarin, but I think BYU's accurate. 10, 11, yeah, I'll take uh, that. So the BCS had a formula mathematically back in the day. I want to see what BYU would be in the BCS. Ooh, Cougar stats. Yeah. Somebody uh, deep inside those numbers. Uh, can we can Or we get shallow. That? Just all, It's just data entry. It's not that complicated. <laughs> Do we still know the formula? It's, it's got to be out there somewhere, public, right? It's yeah. got to be out I there. I explained it in a high school news article for the Grizzly Gazette in 01. It exists. I just can't remember. It's time for a little bit of overreaction Monday according to bowl projections. Yes, we are underreaction Monday. six games into the season if you're BYU, and the Cougars are all over the map <laughs> with bowl projections. Starting with ESPN, Kyle Bonagura has BYU in the Fiesta Bowl okay. against probably the Pac-12 champion, Oregon. That's fun. Then there's this. His colleague Mark Schlebaugh has BYU in the Potato Bowl against Hawaii. So that'd be a combination of the bowl game two years ago and the com- and the bowl game last year. Yes. And opponent. Opponent and uh, setting. Yeah. No thanks. Uh, CBS Sports, Jerry Palm. Not friend of the program. Based on a couple years ago, Bracketology. Armed Forces versus Cincinnati. Woo! Can you imagine BYU playing Cincinnati? The matchup Armed would Forces. be awesome. It'd be a top 25 matchup. The matchup would be awesome. Unless BYU just totally tanks at the end. Okay, so here's the thing about Jerry Palm. He has Boise State. As a person? State. Oh. He has Boise State as the group of five representative there. I thought in a full schedule, I said months ago, I thought Boise State was going to be the best group of five team. But it, got, if since the, everyone in the AC would have to lose twice, I think. He's got Boise State making the run as the They don't G5 have a tough schedule besides BYU. It's winnable. All those games are winnable. Interesting. They're playing division plus one, right? Okay. So, funny thing is, college football news has the same matchup. BYU... Cincinnati, but in the Peach Bowl. So one has them in the New Year's Six. One has them in a New Year's Six game, the Peach Bowl. College football news. Yeah, I like the matchup. Do you like the matchup in the New Year's Six, or do you want BYU to play a Power Five? I don't care what the New Year's Six is. Yeah, I just they could be like, listen, we're letting in Grambling, like whatever. I don't care. Just get into a New Year's Six. Because that's not BYU doesn't control the. We can't get so picky with like what opponent do you want. Just get there. What? Come on. 
Our guy Bill Bender also chimes in on the conversation from the Sporting News. Gasparilla Bowl against Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. That's the worst one by far. Liberty, by the way, 6-0, two out of the polls. Hey, 6-0, two out of the polls. BYU's 6-0, 11th. You think BYU-Liberty is worse than BYU-Hawaii in the Potato Bowl? You're right, that's worse. (laughs) I don't want to play Liberty, though. I don't want to play Hawaii. Yeah, Liberty's not going to finish undefeated. Um, because we look at schedules, they still have to they play, play Virginia State. Tech next they week, still have right? To play NC State and Virginia Tech. They play Virginia Tech, I think, next week. Wow. Look, I, Hugh Freeze is doing an incredible job at Liberty. They're not going to go undefeated. Right. They played Syracuse, who's like just one of the Awful. worst power fives. Syracuse might but, be worse than Texas State. I'm not kidding. I'm not Syracuse kidding. Syracuse might be worse than Texas well, State. I'm telling you, look at the football power index numbers, the SP Plus. Like, hey. Syracuse might be worse than that team. Yes. Yes. The Cuse. Maybe they got a basketball game with the deal. But they're a power five. No, no, no. I, I know. Not all power fives are created equal. It's true, but it's hard to see. Time for Top 5 Tuesday brought to you by Tim Daly Auto Group. In honor of BYU playing on Halloween night this week, we're treating you to the top five trick plays in BYU history. Number five, 1984 versus Pitt. Our guy, Blaine Fowler, gets the first Play of the season. Bosco to Fowler. He's going to run it. Heck no. He's thrown it deep, baby. Glenn Kozlowski for 38 yards to start the season off. Undefeated season. National champion. At number four, rewind to 2008. Max Hall put the entire Utah defense to sleep by literally yelling, Hey, bro, did you throw a burrito at me? That's real. Harvey Uma takes the direct snap amidst the Utah confusion for six. Quoting movie lines from Anchorman, worthy of a spot in this list. Number three, Armed Forces Bowl 2011. Red alert, Riley Nelson looks to stop the clock with 16 seconds left. Psych! Fakes the spike, looks to Ross Hopper to his left, turns to his right. Cody Hoffman, bang, a win, a 10-win season. Number two, from two years ago in Madison, Wisconsin. Tanner Mangum to Aleva Hifo. Who connects with a wide-open Moroni Laulupututau. BYU upsets number six, Wisconsin 24-21 at Camp Randall. BYU's first win against a top ten opponent since 2009. And the number one trick play in BYU history, 1983. Steve Young hands off to Eddie Stinnett, who then throws it back to Steve Young, but it's almost intercepted! But it's not. He runs into the end zone and then spontaneously celebrates like I did at Youth Dances in a steak center when I was 14. And BYU wins and completes the 11-1 season, finished number seven in the AP. Catches it on the back end of the football. Incredible. (laughs) The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Uh, we're having a conversation, me specifically one-on-one, with the Navy transfer and current BYU linebacker Pepe Tanuvasa, who is very, very well-spoken, very smart, and very sincere in his commentary. We discussed everything from Halloween to what is it like defending against Zach Wilson in practice? It's Pepe Tanuvasa, one-on-one on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Pepe, first and foremost, happy Halloween week. What are you doing to celebrate? Because you're going to be playing football on Saturday night when the actual trick-or-treating is playing. You know what? I have left all the Halloween planning up to my wife. And so she's kind of taking the head on that, on what we're dressing up for Halloween. I'm not quite sure. I just follow instructions and put on whatever she has set up for me. 
So I asked your teammate, Neil Pau, what he would do if he could dress up in a costume and play the game. And he ultimately settled on his pajamas. Just he wanted to be relaxed. <laughs> what, what about you? If you could play football at the division one level, but in a costume, which way are you going with that? You know, I, I've always appreciated the Jabberwockies. They're a, a dance group. And one of the things I love about, you know, their style is the swag that they have on their shoes. And I, especially me and my wife, we love sneakers. And I think that's, that was what I would want to play. Maybe it wouldn't be the most effective, but it would look good. <laughs> uh, to a lot of people, that's what matters most, Pepe. Uh, don't you know it? Okay. Uh, you're, you're a sneaker guy. Okay. So what, uh, what are you going with? Are you rocking some J's? Are you going to go with some Yeezys? What, what are you doing? You know, I, I've been a big fan of the Jordan ones and keeping it basic. You know, can't go wrong with those. Just make sure they're the Royal and blue and black edition, right? Of course. Of course. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Now, on to uh, things that perhaps matter most to some people that are watching this show, the actual football. You take on Western Kentucky this Saturday night in hopes of going 7-0 and for the first time since 2001 at BYU. What do you know about the Hilltoppers thus far? You know, we are really just trying to not take them for granted. You know, they're, we, we see them as a great team, as a great opportunity, again, to, to come out and play our best. And so, you know, looking forward, we see them, you know, they play a lot of 11, 12 personnel. And so, you know, just trying to scheme for, for that personnel, as well as, uh, you know, anything else that they could have can throw at us, you know, Texas state coming out in a bunch of, of different formations, uh, kind of trying to prepare for that. Yeah. What was that like as a team competing against just some weird stuff last Saturday night against Texas state with the Daffy duck formations or whatever they're calling that. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a little bit strange to see, but you know, they're a great team. They have great athletes. And so after the first drive, you know, our coaches are, are amazing and we're able to, to scheme up a, a really good defense to, to help stop that. Uh, which way, which, you know, we ended up doing, which I think is just going to be key for this next game is to, to rely on our coaches and, you know, just our talent and our effort to really um, pick up the slack for anything we, we can't prepare for because we can't see. Pepe Tanuvasa with us on BYU Sports Nation. Western Kentucky presents uh, just the next challenge, and everybody's looking ahead. Now, it's your responsibility and job as an athlete to focus on the next practice, the next rep, the next play, the next opponent but there's that game out there with Boise state looming. So how do you avoid any potential pitfall against Western Kentucky? You know, I think I, uh, I fall back to my training at Navy, you know, everything when I was, while I was at the Naval Academy, life was just so busy that I had to take it one day at a time. And so really that's got me into a great mindset for, you know, busy times like this or stressful times when, you know, there is a big game moving ahead, but there's even a bigger game and that's this week. Um, and so that's helped me a lot. You bring up the Navy and quite a few of our viewers are somewhat familiar with your story and, and how you eventually ended up at BYU. But for those that don't know, walk us through a brief timeline of uh, how you ended up in Provo and are playing now on the 11th ranked team in the country. Okay. I, um, 
graduated from Tigard High School in Portland, Oregon. And then I served a mission in, in Tampa, Florida. Afterwards, I, I went to, to Naval Academy and I played there for two years. Uh, and after my, my second year, my second season there, I just had this feeling that I needed to be somewhere else, which was, which was a really strange feeling because things were going great. You know, football was awesome. School was great. The military life I loved, I was loving, but I just felt that God needed me elsewhere. And, you know, I took the leap of faith and I transferred. I didn't really know where I was going to go, uh, but I know eventually that I, I wanted to come here to BYU. Um, and now I know why, you know, getting to play with, you know, my brothers here on this team, but especially, you know, meeting my, my now wife, um, who is the love of my life. Man, you just scored some serious points. That's for sure. Let's go ahead and clip that uh, segment off that little bit off so that you can show it to your wife later. You're welcome. Okay. Um, and, uh, coach Satake obviously is thrilled to have you on the team. What was the initial reception from he and the staff when you said, Hey, I, I want to play at BYU. You know, I, I came at a weird time just after the season, after the recruiting season. And so I wasn't, you know, there wasn't really a, a spot for me at the time. I really had to, to earn my way onto the team um, and then spend my, you know, my red shirt year or not. Yeah. My red shirt year sitting out because I transferred on the scout team. And so I just really tried to take that day by day again, because it could be uh, disheartening knowing what I could be doing my potential, but I just really tried to play my role in helping, you know, our team prepare for the next opponent and, you know, wait for my, my opportunity to, to show what I have. 12 total tackles for you this season, a couple of pass breakups, and most importantly, six wins for you and the BYU Cougars as you prepare for Western Kentucky. You're hoping for number seven. Where do you feel like this team has improved the most from game number one against your former team, the Naval Academy, to where you are now? I think the, the relationship between offense and defense is incredible. You see, you see a lot of teams when there are turnovers on offense or when, you know, there are big drives on defense that the other team goes down and scores that they, the other side kind of gets down on them, but that's not the case here. You know, when, when there are big turnovers, like the fumble, fumble last, last game, um, deep in the red zone, you know, the defense was, was all over it. You know, we were just excited to play and excited to, to give you know, another opportunity, another opportunity to shine. And so it was vice versa when after the first drive, when Texas State drove down and scored on us, we were a little bit down, but the offense picked it right up, you know, so that we got, you know, they got us. And so, and they did, you know, they went down and scored that next drive, which, which gave us a lot of confidence. Playmakers clearly on both sides of the ball at BYU, specifically tonight to your quarterback, Zach Wilson was featured on the college football playoff show featuring the likes of ESPN's Kirk Herbstreet, Reese Davis, Jesse Palmer, David Pollock, and had a really nice interview. When you look at Zach Wilson um, and you're trying to describe to uh, somebody that hasn't defended against him, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Because you got to face again in, in practice. So, so how do you explain that? <laughs> I would say poised, you know, facing him in practice, he adjusts very, very well. Um, one of the things linebackers at BYU pride ourselves in is, is reading quarterback's eyes and adjusting to, to where he's looking to throw. Um, and he's gotten so much better at looking us off, 
right before he sneaks a curl right, right behind us. And it, frankly, it's a little bit annoying in practice, but it's, it's, um, you know, it's paying dividends in the game. You know, he's, you can see this, the numbers don't lie on what he's been able to accomplish, especially with the, the likes of our great offensive line, which gives them the time to, to make all those plays. Hey, you're right. The numbers don't lie. And they have BYU as one of the best offenses in the country right now. And of course the 11th or 10th ranked team, depending on which poll you're looking at. But again, we're trying to take this with a grain of salt and not read too much into it as a player as the hype grows, as the national attention grows. I mean, for crying out loud, we just talked about the show that BYU was featured on tonight on ESPN. How, mm -hmm. how are you handling this? What, what do you do to stay even keel? You know what? Luckily, I have a heavy course load for school. And so it's <laughs> there's not much else to think about other than midterms this week. And, you know, taking, you know, taking care of my wife and being, being a husband first, um, you know, that, that keeps me pretty down to earth. Good answer, man. Good grief. The, uh, the Naval <laughs> Academy prepared you well for pretty much everything, right? <laughs> you know, I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pepe, it's great to catch up with you, man. Before you go and uh, take on Western Kentucky and continue those preparations, we'll give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. If you're not familiar of how this works, Basically, you get it, and even though you're already set to play well with all your preparation, it'll give you that extra boost against Western Kentucky. So mark it down. The Sounds good. Nation Karma. It's, it's going to make a difference this week. Thanks for the well, time, thank man. you. Thank you. Pepe Tanubasa on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. He had a major impact in the Navy game, obviously playing against Navy after sitting out uh, last year, but that's awesome. And BYU's loaded at linebacker. He's, he's a backup. How many times are we interviewing the backup or a backup on BYU Sports Nation? But BYU's loaded in that position. He's an interesting cat. And I love how genuine he is when I say, hey, there's so much hype, so much happening right now. What do you do? Man, I got so much homework to worry about. <laughs> I, you, I, I can barely focus on my classes in the next opponent. We forget the reality of the situation. <laughs> like, Zach Wilson also has homework, right? <laughs> right? He's got, like, a paper due probably yes. or whatever. It literally, for student-athlete, student being the operative word in this instance. Yeah, well, they're athletic students. <laughs> it's like, man, I got a midterm to prepare for, too. Yeah, good luck. Woo. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. The who's who discussing BYU. It's borderline surreal when you flip on the TV to ESPN and see a panel of Reese Davis, Kirk Herbstreet, David Pollock, Joey Galloway, I'm um, forgetting somebody. Jesse uh, Palmer. Yes, thank you, Jesse Palmer. The five of those guys. Yeah specifically welcoming BYU into the conversation by having Zach Wilson on for an interview. Awesome. In their hour-long show leading up to the college football playoff rankings that will be released in late November. They're breaking down the top 25. They're discussing things like, is there enough for BYU if they go undefeated on the resume to get into the college football playoff? Sorry, what? It's that, unbelievable. Like I said, borderline surreal. To oh, yeah. witness all of this. Yeah. Jerem, what did we learn last night having BYU featured for this segment on ESPN's college football playoff top 25 show? BYU's doing great things, at least in the conversation, right? Um, it's, it's October. 
it's not December. No, but, it's almost but, November, though. But it's right. But it's awesome. Yeah, this is awesome. Like, enjoy this. Let's enjoy this. The schedule got blown up. BYU had to redo it. It's not what BYU would normally do. They've won all the games in convincing fashion. Got a Heisman Trophy candidate. This is fun, man. And what happened last night was extremely validating. Anytime BYU can be in that conversation, it's very validating. What I'm afraid of in this whole conversation is that we get our hopes up for something that isn't likely to happen, and then we're disappointed even if something great happens. A new, going to a New Year's Six, I've said, I said this like a year or two ago, is the pinnacle of the program. The playoff is not a realistic option, in my opinion, for not just BYU, but frankly, any team outside the Power Five. Perhaps one day a team does that. I think back in the day when Boise State was going undefeated for a couple of years, had they done it again, they were ranked third late in the season one time. They, perhaps that situation yields a sh- realistic shot at the playoff. But outside of that, it's not built for a team like BYU or Cincinnati or Boise State to get into the playoff. Frankly, it's not built for every Power 5 team, uh, conference to get in. Um, so it, it's difficult that way. So let's enjoy the New Year's Six conversation. Enjoy the conversation around the playoff. That's great. I don't think it's realistic, but it's fun to talk about. Yeah, you bring up Boise State from, I don't know, a decade ago when they were number two when in Kellen, the country. When Kellen Moore was the quarterback. Num- the current Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator, and I wish him the best because things are rough in Dallas right now. Yeah, they are rough in he's Dallas. He's playing without his star quarterback. But, well, and Andy Dalton's injured too. Now, yes. So he's going to start a third, third stringer. Yeah. Story for another day. But when Kellen Moore was the quarterback at Boise State, they were ranked number two. All they had to do was kick a 30-yard-ish, 30-yard-ish field goal at Nevada, yeah. win that game, and they're Kyle in, in the conversation to play in a national championship. Right, and this is pre-playoff. By so the they, way. they had to be in the top two. We're talking about the top four. And that's pre-playoff, different setup. Now. Most people think that in order for a group of five team, a high-level achieving group of five team to get in the playoff, it needs to expand to eight teams. If it expands to right. eight teams, then yeah. oh, for sure. it's going to happen, yeah. right? But as currently yeah. constituted, clearly you feel strongly that there's just no way – for a team outside of the Power 5 Blue Bloods to get into the top four for the college football playoff. It's hard enough for the Pac-12 to get in, let alone a non-Power 5, right? Like, if you're USC or Washington, you're going, BYU? It's hard enough for us to get in. And the la- what, what was the last team? Was it Washington? 2017? In the college football playoff? I don't think they, I think they've missed, or 16? I think they missed the last couple, right? Big 12, you need Oklahoma to do something crazy. That ain't happening this year. Do we think Oklahoma State's going to make the college football playoff? Probably not, right? So it's built to have two SEC teams, one Big Ten team, and Notre Dame in it. Okay, so That's what it's built for. Here's the X factor in all of this. Uh, sorry, in Clemson. Here's the X factor in all of this. Because of COVID-19, we don't know what's going to happen to the Blue Bloods. Notably, Wisconsin this morning just canceled their game against Nebraska. Canceled all team activities for seven days. They played one game against Illinois and vaulted themselves into the conversation as the team that's not in the top four right now that's most likely to get in the top four. Wisconsin's not going to be able to play one of their games. I didn't think they were likely to get in the playoff realistically. It was just a conversation piece. How much more is this going to affect other teams, especially the conferences that are trying to slam seven or eight games into seven or eight consecutive weeks? This is wild. This is why... It might take a pandemic 
for BYU to legitimately be in the conversation as long as the Cougars keep winning. And, and the conversation is different than making it into me. I, I believe BYU will be in the conversation. What, look at UCF. So 2017. Someone gave them the natty, right? They're like, we're the national champs. Like, it's funny. But there, now, were, there were other undefeated teams that had played a full schedule. But, this is a totally it, different year. Well, here's my point. Hold on. Here's my point. They were in the conversation. Sure. Was that satisfying and validating for UCF to be in the conversation? Enough to Absolutely, claim a national right? championship. Absolutely. Well, they claim it not because they think they did it, but because <laughs> someone gave it to them. Someone named them uh, the natty. So they're officially on the books as a national champ that year. Alabama won the national championship that year. But, yeah, viewing in the conversation is fantastic. Listen, near six is the reality. College football playoff, that's fun to discuss. Um, I, I see your point. I just, I just think at the end they're going to evaluate BYU's schedule and go, didn't play any Power Fives, had a nice win over Boise State, good win at Houston, hopefully Navy matters, hopefully San Diego State matters. But when compared to the teams that had to play mostly or all Power Fives, I, I, like Reese Davis, feel like the resume is not going to stack up. And right now, I'm, we're having this part of our conversation is exactly what I don't want. I don't want to feel like BYU didn't do something well in this. Guess what? If BYU wins all the games, they get into New Year's Six, this is amazing. I don't feel like, gosh, if we don't make the playoff, it's some, in some way, shape, or form disappointing. No, 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 no. No, the idea if of BYU's it is very fifth or sixth at the very end, that would be the peak. That would be like, wow, BYU is in that conversation. That's wild. And then BYU will have a game like they did in 96, a chance to validate the season. Because BYU has a game at Boise, yes, but it's only a game. They need, they need to do it UCF did, which is what? Beat Auburn. And then it was like, those guys are legit. This is the deal or no deal concept that we talked about last week, where BYU has a potential New Year's Six team. Let's say they get there. They've got $300,000 guaranteed from the bank, but there's two suitcases left. One's got a dollar in it. One's got a million dollars in it. It's like, do we want to put all the eggs in the basket and take the risk and go for the million dollars and schedule up, add a late game, things like that, and then be disappointed in the end. Like, I'm with you. Like, you take three hundred grand and go home and leave from big deal, no deal with that, you're feeling amazing. In fact, BYU leaves with $17 million that come from a New Year's Six bowl game. Is that how much it is? Something like that. Oh, wow. They're feeling amazing, right? Oh, yes. There will be no disappointment. Yes. And does BYU, remind me, does BYU have to share that money with anybody? No. No. Well, the with- conference. Well, if it's an individual, it's tithing. But yeah, uh, that's a lot of tithing. I, it, this is great. I'm, I don't want to feel like ugh, disappointment in any way, shape, or form after an undefeated season. No. 14% no, chance. Not going to do it. 14% chance, according to ESPN's Football Power Index, for BYU to make the college football playoff. That's pretty wild, but it's that high. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It's time for this week's edition of Game Notes. We want to make you really smart and sound smart around the water cooler with your BYU football friends. Maybe you're smarter than us. Who knows? Okay, number one, BYU is beating opponents 45-14 for six games. That's the fifth best margin of victory in FBS beyond Northwestern, Wisconsin, Ohio State. They've all played one game, by the way. So if teams that have played two or more, it's only Clemson that BYU trails in that regard. BYU is blowing out fools. A margin of 31. More on that in just a moment. 
This marks the first ever matchup between Western Kentucky and BYU. It will also be the Hilltoppers' first ever game in the state of Utah. They never go west. This is the fourth farthest west that the team has ever traveled and the farthest west they've ever traveled as a member of the upper division. And it was set, meaning FBS, it was set up uh, because of the, uh, one, the pandemic, and two, the Sirius XM poll. Okay, BYU's defense has allowed a total of two rushing touchdowns all year. Tied for second among teams with at least four games played. Wow. Only two. How about that? It's all right. BYU has Zach Wilson and a bevy of receivers that would happily catch a ball in the end zone. Defense allowed. Ah. Uh, yeah. BYU is only allowed two rushing touchdowns. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Since 2007, Western Kentucky is 1-10 against ranked opponents. The average margin of defeat in those 10 losses, Jerem, 30.5 points. And that one win was Marshall, so it was a league opponent. So it's 0-10 against non-conference. Correct. So tough sledding. So when I say I think BYU could win by 40 and we could all have a king-size candy bar of a victory tomorrow night, I don't think it's that much of a stretch. You just pointed out average margin of victory for BYU is 31. Western Kentucky's losing these games by 31. Yeah, well, there you go. 31 it is. Hilltoppers have given it away 11 times, resulting in 51 points. So when they turn it over, the other team scores. The BYU defense has fended off five turnovers for a total of zero points. That's wild. BYU has not allowed a point off turnovers. That's a wild stat. And the offense has done a pretty good job of holding on to the pill. Western Kentucky quarterback Tyrell Pigrome has done a nice job of holding on to the pill. He's the only quarterback in the country to throw seven or more touchdown passes without an interception. In fact, he's thrown 113 total passes in 2020. No picks. Yeah, and, and Pigrome is one of two guys, right? They have Thomas as well. Not Those guys aren't tremendous uh, passers. More on that a little bit later. Gunnar Romney needs five yards. Dax Mill needs seven yards to become the 67th and 68th receivers in BYU history with 1,000 yards. So if Gunnar Romney plays off the hamstring, we'll see if he does, then uh, he and Dax almost assuredly will get to that mark tomorrow, which is pretty cool. The specialists for both of these teams are crushing it at the field goal level. Neither team has missed a field goal this season. Nice. BYU, six for six. The Hilltoppers, five for five. You always missed the PAT, yes. but it wasn't Jake Oldroyd. It was Jake Oldroyd. Yeah. Now, if Western Kentucky is kicking field goals against BYU, it's going to be a long night for the Hilltoppers. And I've had a lot of people ask me, what in the world is a Hilltopper? It literally is a house or a school on top of a hill. Yep. So pretty, there you pretty go. Pretty self-explanatory. There you go. Now. What's a sooner? After BYU takes care of business against Western Kentucky and before BYU fans should have their eyes peeled across the scoreboard scoreboard watching which teams to root for who wins and if they do so it helps BYU these are the rootables Jerem and my number one rootable tomorrow is the same opponent that I was rooting against last week Oklahoma State they take on Texas the Longhorns welcome and Sam Ellinger are going to go into Stillwater and knock off Oklahoma State, the number six team in the country, and the Big 12 can officially kiss their college football playoff hopes <laughs> goodbye. And BYU at number 11 probably jumps up another spot as Good. Oklahoma State falls in the polls. Good. Let's go Longhorns tomorrow against the Cowboys. Okay, uh, when I'm looking at Memphis at number seven, Cincy. Cincy, the G5 darling right now. 
if Memphis, who was the G5 team last year, mm-hmm. oh, listen to that, the Memphis fight song. Let's go, baby. Go Tigers! Go Penny Hardaway. Little Penny! Little, little Penny gonna be the Bearcats! Yes. Hopefully, uh, the Bearcats get out of the way and BYU occupies, although they aren't the G5 team, that sort of best of the rest spot, right? BYU is the next highest ranked team. So, go Memphis! Yes, uh, the Memphis Tigers. So in this instance, it's kind of like the BYU Tigers. Sort of like the BYU Tigers. They, they can help us. From the potato ball to <laughs> Zach Wilson looks around in the moment like, what? Texas and Memphis, the top two rootables for Jerem and me. Honorable mentions, Jerem. They're How lost. about the top 20 showdown between number 18 Penn State and number 3 Ohio State? Yeah, BYU needs Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson to just win, win out. Just went As out. Beth Moen's discussed yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Because if Penn State wins, now they're back in the conversation after losing to Indiana in overtime on a two-point conversion. And would Ohio State drop below BYU? No. And this point was brought up by uh, our producer so. Ben Bagley yesterday, and it's a valid one. Like, Ohio State loses a close game, they're probably not dropping seven they, spots. Right, they've dropped, you'd think, three to five. So that one, yeah. Is, is it better for Ohio State to just keep winning and take that yes. spot? The answer is... Dominate yes. the Big Ten. My daughter's learning what a fact and opinion is, and so it's really annoying uh, because, because I'll say, well, I, she said, hey, this way's faster on a road. Mom took us this way, and I said, well, I go on this road, and I, I believe it's faster. She goes, well, that's your opinion. <laughs> I go, well, how about we time it, and then it's a fact. And She goes, well, no, I don't want to. I go, oh, okay. We we'll just won't time it so that it stays an opinion. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think with Ohio State and Clemson, Alabama, that – it makes sense that BYU would sure. if it, it benefit from them winning out. Now, a couple of reaches here. <laughs> Notre Dame takes on a really bad Georgia Tech team. That's not going to happen. Yeah, the, one, the other one I'm keeping an eye on is Boise State. We, BYU needs Boise State to win. That needs to be a more meaningful game. Yes. Um, BYU needs them to be for, ranked. Yes. Well, and later at the end of the season. Because yeah. it's not as important for BYU to play a ranked Boise State next week. It is at the end of the season to go, Boise State's ranked. 19th or whatever. Navy takes on number 22 SMU tomorrow. Go Navy. Go Mitchell. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYU 6-0 for the first time since 2008. As we just pointed out, number 10 in the coaches poll, number 11 in the AP poll, Jerem, things are going well for BYU football as they take down Texas State. In fact, so well that Zach Wilson continues to be in the Heisman race, and he doesn't hurt when uh, he does special things like this. Zach awaits a shotgun snap. Comes his way at his belt on a three-step. Between the tackles, steps up to the right. And goes deep down the far side. It is Dax Mill makes the catch at the three-yard line and steps into the end zone with another BYU touchdown. Just a ridiculous throw right there. 64 yards in the air. 64. Are you kidding me? Pythagorean theorem at play. I think we'll talk about that play forever with Zach Wilson. There was another fabulous play, arguably just as impressive in the BYU game, only it was on the defensive side of the ball. BYU gets into the end zone as a defense for the first time all season. I actually called it pregame. I knew it was going to happen. I texted Keenan Peely, said, hey, I got a, I got a pick six for you. Um, told, told our videographer, 
I'm gonna get in. Get, I'm gonna get in the end zone tonight. And then right before I went out that series, I, I looked at the defense. And I said, "Hey, we need like a sack, a turnover, a picks, a touchdown, or we just we suck. Like, we we need something big." And it ended up happening. Pick six, first of the career. Love it. Isaiah Kafusi with the pick six, calling his shot. Yeah, and if you missed it, it was incredible. Like just Nakua Warner Boise State esque, fifteen. 16. Jerem, what was the better play in your mind? Mm. A play that you're going to talk about forever with Zach Wilson to Dax Milne or just an incredible effort by Isaiah Kafusi to find the end zone on the pick six? Let's let's watch Kafusi's magic here. Oh, just avoiding guys left and right. Woo! Oh, so good. And the fact that he calls it is pretty awesome. Oh, man, I, I have to pick between these two? I don't I don't know that I really can, but I'll, I'll pick one. Listen, Isaiah Kafusi's run is incredible. I don't want to underplay that at all. It's Zach Wilson's throw. For me, if I have to pick one, 64 yards in the air. He's not, he's not chucking it as far as he can, by the way. He's li- literally just kind of hops into it a little bit and throws a little bit off platform, and he throws it 64 yards in the air. I mean, this is stupid. It's stupid good. And, yeah, I'm telling you, he does not preload that thing for as far as he can. That is, a, that is probably an 80% throw for Zach Wilson's capacity. They're just, hey, I see you. Yeah. What and, the heck is Texas State secondary thinking at that point? There's no way he's going to try and find the soft spot on the opposite corner of the field. Right. Who throws that ball? Like, you know who throws that ball? Top 10 Heisman finalists throw that mm. ball. And that's what Zach is pacing for, is, is the first time since 91 that a, a BYU player is a top 10 finalist in the Heisman. So, yeah, and what Isaiah did was incredible. And the context of he's texting Keenan Peely, who was the co-leading tackler on the team, by the way, prior to the game. He's uh, calling it to Kiwi, uh, the videographer, right? Syrian Drew. And then he's saying to the sideline before he comes up, are you kidding me? That's awesome. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, thought, I thought his quote was very telling. Uh, if we don't do something right here, we stink. <laughs> That's not what he said, but yeah. <laughs> I think the Isaiah Kafusi play is a better story overall based on everything you just presented, calling your shot, all of the facts. Maybe Zach did too, but he didn't up. tell us. The Zach Wilson throw will be the most remembered play from this game because that's a throw that's going to show up on every single NFL draft show leading up to the time Zach decides to enter the league, whenever that is. That throw will be in every Zach Wilson highlight reel so for the January rest 11th? of time until he gets into the NFL. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that was unbelievable. Just It seemed easy for him to just little – Hop and then 63 yards on a dime. How far can Zach Wilson throw the ball? 75 yards? I, yeah, I don't know. And and that is a, a question from some NFL scouts. It's like, all right, do you have the NFL arm? And the, and I think the answer is yes. NFL right? arm that! Right? And he needs to continue to do that opposite hash and blah, blah, blah. He's been doing that. It, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Joe Theismann tweeted <laughs> during the game, Zach Wilson, BYU's QB, has excellent arm strength, terrific touch, and it's really accurate. He's just fun to watch. He's making all these throws that, yeah, just he, – he had this one throw in the flat on the left uh, where he put some touch on it. He saw a linebacker there, and he kind of pumped and then just threw it like kind of high up and over. And I thought, how many guys have just zipped that in there? Because you know what really annoys me from the past is when a guy with – like John Elway and Dan Marino was like, dude, these guys just throw it so hard. It's like if you can't throw a catchable ball, who cares? Now, in the case of those guys – they were obviously two of the top 10 NFL quarterbacks. We're trying to fit time. it into small windows. But the, and that's different to me. The, of the 
oh, he throws it hard. Who cares if you can't catch it? Like, you know what's great? A catch. You know what's not great? An incompletion. So just make it work. And there was a time, even, even Jake Keeps here in the beginning, right? He had, a, he had a tough time with touch. It's like, when should I throw the bullet? Because there's a time and a place. And when should I put it in the, in the right spot? And Zach's just making his decision-making. It's just incredible right now. He's not making a ton of just like, whoa, throws. He is a totally different dude from the first two years. And I'm not talking his hands good, his shoulders good. I'm talking when he throws what and where and why. It goes back to what Steve Young was telling us last week. Zach Wilson is playing in the moment. Everything is slowed way down for him so that he can make that decision. It's a split-second one, but it's slowed down. So it's like, oh, there's a linebacker there. I'm just going to you know, calmly lob this ball over him, and uh, we're going to get 20 yards on the play, and, and it's going to be okay. He's in the moment. Yes, and part of the reason it's slowed down is because physically those defenders are slower <laughs> than what BYU would have played with four power fives, three on the road. He seemed pretty it, uh, to be working pretty well against a fast Houston defense, though. Yes, t- totally. But he, didn't, he could load up on Houston, you know what I mean? Like, when you're playing four in a row, every game is Houston-ish, and, and that's harder. Yeah, last year, Zach Wilson's best game to me still, still, is USC last year. The way he controlled and, and helped BYU win that game. And he didn't win in overtime, but he got the lead late. They make a late field goal. His decision-making was so good against quality competition. Tennessee, Zach didn't play a great game leading up to the last drive in the 64-yard throw. The 64-yard throw is, uh, that play is the, well, that, it, was, it ends up 64 yards, but it's not a 64-yard throw. Um, that he played well when he needed to play well to get that win, right? But the way he's playing right now against this competition, incredible. Like, he's doing what he needs to do to be, make BYU relevant, make BYU 11. Stay in the Heisman Trophy. Oh, by the way, the defense is just unbelievable still. <laughs> BYU's fake punting up 35 in the fourth. We'll talk about that in a moment. <laughs> but, oh, man. Everything is awesome. To steal a line from the Lego movie. For BYU football right now, it feels that way. 6-0, and number 10, number 11, depending on which poll you're looking at. Got a Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback, and now he is a projected first-round NFL draft pick, according to Yahoo Sports and CBS Sports and some other publications. Cam Mellers had him in the first round for like five years. Well, Cam's basically a BYU guy now. Yes, he is. He's inherited BYU. He is now a BYU fan. A, we like to say adopted around these parts. Jerem, there are mixed feelings for many BYU fans about this, about the prospect of Zach leaving early. If the cost of BYU football having an unbelievable great season is Zach Wilson leaving BYU early, are you okay with that scenario? I'm not okay with it. I'm great with it. Oh. Because I want great seasons and moments. And guess what? If someone goes early, that means they're very good. In basketball, if you stay four years, you weren't that good of a player in terms of NBA prospects, right? Like, we're hoping Yoli Childs is a second rounder. If he was first-round talent after a sophomore year, he would have bounced, and that would have been awesome for him. I wish there was more of that around here. If you get a certain type of player, typically that player stays most of their career. There are exceptions to this. Uh, obviously, Sean Bradley was one and done, and uh, Austin Colley was gone after his junior year. Those guys, we understood. It was like, oh. Austin Collie had an incredible junior year, 1,500 yards, led the country in receiving and all that with Michael Crabtree. Yes, bounce. It's all good. BYU still had a successful 09, by the way, without him. But uh, if Zach, if the cost of a, I don't know, New Year's 6 or something close to that is losing Zach Wilson, and, and that would be worth it. 
It would be totally worth it. Because guess what? You remember the great seasons. You don't remember single-digit seasons. You know what I mean? This would be a, a season that we would always remember, not just because of COVID, because it's like, oh, yeah, I remember when BYU took advantage of that situation and went to a New Year's Six, and it was awesome, and Zach Wilson was a second-rounder or a first-rounder or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. And, oh, by the way, it wouldn't just be Zach Wilson that would leave early. You'd probably have potentially Brady Christensen, um, in the mix, Carvis Tonga, I would imagine, wouldn't come back for an extra year. He might leave. Matt Bushman Matt technically Bushman. could come back, but right. I don't think he's going I, to. I think what happens when you have a tremendous year, uh, think about what Nick Saban does every year almost. He has to replace his offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. They get a job. I would think that Jeff Grimes would be in a mix for a head coaching job. Should BYU go to New Year's Six, finish top ten in offense and all that. It wouldn't just be Zach, but we're focusing on Zach in this conversation. Yeah. But the cost of greatness is that you lose some things because – the players go to the draft and or other coaches get opportunities. I welcome that because I want greatness in this season. I don't want goodness over a couple of seasons. I would love to have one great season and go from there. I am 100% okay with it because I look at the Zach Wilson mindset and think, what's going to be better for him? Uh, if he's going to be a first-round NFL draft pick, then go. What? What? I mean, yeah, he could come back and – beat Utah and take on a tougher schedule and maybe BYU has the special season, but maybe it doesn't go as well as Zach hoped and he loses some draft stock. I mean, you got to strike when the iron is hot to still an oft used cliche. Zach Wilson, if he's a, a consensus first round pick should absolutely go. Even if he's not consensus, even the if there's just time, a handful, the last time BYU had a first round quarterback taken was Jim. No, no, no. Steve Young, technically, if you count the USFL. USFL. Kind of weird, but yeah. In the NFL, it's Jim McMahon. He was the fifth overall pick. Think about that. 1981? It's been since 1982 draft since BYU had a quarterback taken in the first round. You should go. If you're Zach Wilson... And, and you're yeah. probably going to be a first-rounder? And, and it's been, I mean, it will have been 15 years or 14 years, those seven drafts since BYU had a second-round draft pick in John Beck. So it, it's, it's been a minute. It just doesn't happen often. Yes. Here's, yeah, if Zach Wilson stays, he won't be first-round material after next year. Here's why. BYU's going to play seven power fives plus Boise State. So he would be, exposed is too strong of a word, but he, they will chip away at him more. I think he should, as you said, strike while the iron's hot. Like, why, why wouldn't you when you're at the peak of your powers? You, you can be exposed once you get the contract, right? Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. If BYU can keep this up, this will be all we see of Zach Wilson potentially. Man, what a season thus far. But enjoy the ride. Enjoy every throw. Every, yes. Enjoy Selfishly, everything. we all want him to come back and stay at BYU as long as possible. Right. Let's be real. Though. It'd be amazing. Come on. I want some candy, and not just any candy. I want the best candy. I'm not talking about candy corn, Jerem. I don't want Are you that. looking at me right now, or are you looking elsewhere? I am looking right okay, at Okay, I you. just can't tell. Well, it's part of the costume. And yeah. My men in black uh, getup. I think you should square up elsewhere, but look at me, and then it's weird. I should square. Yeah, yeah like this, but you're looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just to throw you off a yep. little bit. Yep, Okay. What is the candy corn version of BYU competing against Western Kentucky tomorrow, meaning yeah. it's candy. Oh, but I know it's, what it means. Yeah. 
Candy corn stinks. I don't like candy corn. I know there are those that do. My wife likes it. My Venna likes it. Uh, losing would be candy corn for sure. BYU ain't going to lose, though. Um, yeah, BYU's vying for a New Year's Six bowl if they lost. That'd blow it up. I think if the game's close like UTSA, that would be candy corn. It'd be like, yeah, it's candy, but it doesn't taste very good. Ugh. It's not my first choice. In fact, it's probably my last. Mm. I would think like a 10-point or even a 19-point game or something. This has got to be a 17-plus. In fact, this has got to be a 24-plus. Really okay. does. I'm not if a, not more. I, I'm not a candy corn guy. I'll eat a few pieces and then it's it suffices. You will eat some. I'll, I'll eat a I few won't pieces. even eat it. I will not eat okay, it. Okay, so it's not like you hate it so much that you're you're comparing it to a loss tomorrow for BYU. For yeah, which is not going to happen. That is serious disdain of the candy corn. To me, a loss would be like the apple that you get with a wormhole in it. Uh, that'd be with a couple of worms in it. <laughs> that'd be bad. With, You're not eating that thing? That'd be thing? like with poison Come in on, it. Come yeah. on, really? Or it's like the gross Tootsie Roll that's been like halfway opened and you're oh pretty sure that somebody like poisoned it. So that's like you quickly throw it away. Like a feral cat has <laughs> bitten into it or something. Okay, that to me is the loss. Like the gross piece of candy that you're pretty sure has been poisoned and it's half opened. Or the apple with wormholes in it. Yeah, you're not eating that. Candy corn for me is... It's still candy. It's still sugar. It's still candy? Debatable. It's, it's got sugar in it. <laughs> hey, if you're starving, maybe you have a handful. If you're right? starving? So BYU. What, are we sending candy corn to the hungry? BYU winning We don't close. even send that. BYU winning close would be the candy corn for me. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's still a win. It's still candy, but it's not, it's not good candy. Turning it over would be a candy corn thing, too. Too much. BYU's done a pretty good job of not turning over very much. Zach Wilson's thrown one pick. Like, if he threw two picks, yes. that'd be corn, candy cornish in this game. That'd be an open bag of candy corn, you know? I don't even want a whiff. I don't even want a close pick. You know what I mean? See, for me, anything less than a 20-point win yeah. is probably too close. I might even extend that to 24. Given the way BYU's playing, given how poorly Western Kentucky has played and what the line is, this team should have lost Chattanooga. Western week. Kentucky's averaging 17 points a game. It's and they're so giving bad, up dude. 27 a game. They're playing on the road. 27's not terrible. We're going to get into all types of game notes that should make BYU fans feel pretty good about this. I don't think there's anything we could say that will make them feel even better. Anything BYU's less... ranked 11th and 6-0. No. We're not adding That's a That's why the expectations are such against Western right. Kentucky. Right. you got to win by 20-plus in my mind. Okay, candy corn's the uh, one end of the spectrum. Yes. All those who like candy corn, mm-hmm. we apologize for absolutely nothing. <laughs> What's the king-size candy bar equivalent in this game? Uh, for me, it's a 40-plus point win, Jerem. Mm, yep. You're going okay. to the rich houses. Yep. You're utilizing Don't come uh, to my neighborhood, yeah, all, all of the resources <laughs> from the, the people that have the most to give out. You want the king-size Reese's. You want the king-size Kit Kat. You're going to go to the rich neighborhood. For me, this Not would a be king size candy corn. BYU going to the riches of their talents with Zach Wilson and yep. Dax Milne and yep. Tyler Algier and the defense dominating the offensive line, reestablishing that run game. BYU wins by 40-plus. That, to me, is my king-size candy bar. Is it that wild, though? I'm going to give you a game note in about 30 minutes that would suggest that BYU winning by 40-plus against Western Kentucky maybe isn't that wild. Okay, then. That's what we call tease in the biz. Yeah, BYU does what it's been doing, winning 45-14. That's the average score. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Western Kentucky hasn't allowed a ton on defense, by the way. 370 a game is decent. 28 points total. That's that's fine. The offense has been the issue. 13th worst in points and yards per game. Yee. As you mentioned, 17.7. Then 277 on offense? Woof. 
For those tuning in, I'm 2020. That's why I look weird. Okay, anyway. <laughs> every, I, I want everyone to be healthy and ready to rock for Boise State. That's like my number one hope for this game. It's not that BYU wins or wins handily, that no one gets hurt. Because the season rides on next week. For next week to matter, BYU needs to get through this week. And, yeah, that'd be the king size version. I'm trying very hard to take you seriously right now. <laughs> this, is no, this is no product, bro. This is no product. I love it. I love it. You said I'm it's, doing it's all, liberating. All, it's, all bangs. You got, the Jim, you got the Jim Halpert hair going on right now. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I should put my mask back on now. <laughs> okay. So here's the wait, thing. Wait, hold on. I just got to get some sanitizer on. It's been a couple minutes. Okay. You need any? You good? Uh, hey, hand you it over. You want hand some? it over. We want to okay, be safe. I'm going to put it in the middle. Okay, and then okay. You I'm going to reach for it. Yeah, there we go. So there that we go. maintain the proper social distancing, yeah. make the me physical for, distancing. Make me forget later. Are you a physical distancing guy, or do you say social distancing? What do you What do you? Uh, depends though? on the person and how they smell. That's my take on that. Okay, I would very much love for BYU to just make this game get out of hand really quickly. Quick start. Yes. Crush their hopes. Yes. Make it happen fast so that we can all enjoy Halloween night and not have to stress about BYU dropping in the polls because it was too close and things. Just take care of business for the East yes, Coast. Bachman we, turnover. We talked yes. about this last week. The East Coast people that are not going to watch this game because it's late and they're it taking their kids ten twenty, taking their kids trick or treating. Like they're going to wake up in the morning. They took all them already. See, it's ten twenty when it starts. All they're going to want to see is a score. If they yeah, see BYU 40-plus yeah. and yeah, Western Kentucky sure. under 20, it's like, okay, check. BYU is still doing their thing. On to Boise State. Yes, absolutely. Do you need a roll? You good? I'm you good. have enough at home? I, I bought everything Costco had. Look, we've got plenty back at headquarters. Are you sure? Okay, so. <laughs> back at headquarters. <laughs> Kay you're, hooked me up. You're, you're built for this? Yes. By the nice. way, I'm Agent Y. Oh, okay. Okay? At least we know why. We've got J&K. I am Agent Y. Good. How are you feeling today after uh, the memory jog? What memory jack? <laughs> That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. A Halloween game for the first time in 28 years. I spoke about that, among many other things, with one of the emerging wide receivers for BYU, Neil Pau, one-on-one on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Neil, how do you feel about playing a Halloween night football game under the lights at Lavelle Edwards Stadium? Um, it's new. It's different. Uh, kind of sad that we won't get to trick-or-treat or whatever, but I mean, we got to do what we got to do. It'll be exciting just to play under their, the lights again with the fans again, but it is what it is. Hey, let's stay with the Halloween theme. You mentioned trick-or-treating and candy. What's your go-to candy on Halloween? I'm a Kit Kat or Snickers guy no, all the way through, so if I get those, I'll be happy. Somebody needs to get Neil a king-size Snickers or Kit Kat after the game. We'll, uh, we'll, see, we'll see what we can do about that. Of course, it, awesome. it will be with, uh, within the parameters of compliance. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> now, Neil, if you could play in a costume, what would you dress up as? That's, that's a good question. Um, probably just be the typical Superman or, I don't know, I'd probably just come out in my PJs and have no costume <laughs> at all and throw on some sleeves and we'd be good. Just come out super, 
comfy instead instead of a costume. Hey, relaxed, warm. I like that, man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Your team, 6-0 and for the first time since 2008. Speaking of the BYU program specifically, I'm interested to learn about, uh, from your perspective, how do you feel like this team has evolved or improved the most from week one against Navy now to late October approaching Western Kentucky? I think it's just our mental side. Um, we've been battle tested, I guess you could say twice, uh, but both of those times we could have, we, in years past, we would have lost. Uh, but it was cool just to see the mental side of it and how we all just stuck together through it all. Um, and we came out with two victories that we, that we probably shouldn't have won, but we knew that we had the talent to do. And we ended up doing exactly what we knew what we could do. What was the mental aspect in those games? The difference maker compared to the previous years that you referenced when you typically have lost those games? I think it was body language. We would shut down. We would go down a score or down 10. Um, but the body language and how everyone was kind of just motivating each other on the sideline is what propelled us to those victories that uh, we were tight in. Uh, both were two different games. We were up one the whole time, and the second one we had to play from behind. But uh, throughout it all, we just continued just to keep pressing. Um, and we pressed and came out with Ws. BYU wide receiver Neil Pau with us on BYU Sports Nation. It doesn't take a genius in the football uh, dynamic to figure out that this wide receiver core is doing something very special this season. Yeah. What makes this receiver core different and unique and better than other receiver cores that you've been a part of? Um, I think nationally, I think we should just get more credit for what we're doing here at, at BYU with Fessy. Fessy's putting us in great position and challenging us every week. Um, I think also Zach has uh, developed and matured as a QB where he's throwing those 50-50 balls where before he never did. Um, he kind of just waited to certain things opened up and then he would throw it or he would scramble. But I think by him trusting us with the connection that we've been able to build throughout years, um, he's been able to put those balls up. We've been able to come down, so he's more willing to throw them. Um, he's been able to scramble and look downfield instead of automatically run. So it's just been a year-after-year year thing, uh, maturity levels from all of us just to continue to grow and stuff. What is it like as a receiver on the receiving end of a Zach Wilson pass during a game? Walk us through that mentality. Um, I mean, everyone sees Zach Wilson as um, something. We just see Zach as Zach. Uh, Zach's some dude that we all tease and mess around with in the locker room. So he's not anyone bigger than he probably thinks he is or people give him up to me. But Zach's a great dude. Um, we just see a ball thrown to us. We're just trying to catch it, come down with it, continue to move the sticks and put us in winning position, um, continue to win, and continue to fulfill the dreams that we have this season. I know it's been a few weeks since uh, you got the tiptoe down in the back of the end zone, but I, I want to revisit that play because it's so incredible. What, what happened, and how were you able to get the toe down on the grass? Did you feel your toe hit the grass? Did you know? No, I thought it was one of those things where I got I caught it and I got pushed out. Um I, I kind of felt that my feet were in position that if they did touch that I was in position, but I thought it was one of those things that ended up getting reviewed and scored. So I was happy for it. Yeah. Understandably, uh, anytime you get in the end zone, it, it's a good time. Um, yeah. While we're uh, talking about the dreams that you just brought up for BYU football, uh, I know that yeah. you're focused on the next rep, the next practice, the next game, next opponent, but clearly there's a bigger picture here. So what are you doing to balance the big picture goals with staying in the moment? Um, I think 
that's what you got to do. Uh, to say that we're not, to say that I'm not looking ahead and maybe other guys not looking ahead towards Boise and then San Diego State are tougher games and where we could be at the end of the season, I think is awesome. Um, it's the right answer, but um, I think there comes a balance. Um, I think enjoying the process each and every day um, will allow us to get to those bigger dreams and bigger goals because you can't skip steps. And I think as we continue to do exactly what we're doing by not looking forward too much and then taking care of responsibility each and every day, each and every week, will get us to that, those bigger dreams. So hopefully we're in position to do that by the end of the year. Uh, Neil, you call it how you see it. Uh, after yeah. BYU uh, showed a little, a few struggles throughout the season, you said, look, we've got some things to fix or we're, we're going to very quickly drop out of the rankings. So how do you feel about the number 11 ranking in the AP poll and the number 10 ranking in the coaches poll? How, how do you approach those? Um, I mean, those are what it is. Um, I guess the position that we're in now, we're just going to have to wait uh, for those other teams to lose. Uh, we're going to continue to take care of business with the schedule that we're given. Um, and then again, by the end of the year, if they deem us, whatever they deem us, uh, that we'll be, we'll be prepared to whoever we play by the end of the year. Okay. Final question for you, Neil. Uh, what was your favorite moment from Saturday night's win against Texas state? Uh, was it the thigh master catch from Isaac Rex? Was it the pick six from Isaiah, the Zach Wilson throw to Dax Millen or something else? Um, I have to give it to, uh, to EC Capisi, the haircut guy, the interception, the his interception. Exactly. The interception. I think it was just huge. Not only for him, uh, what he's been through, how long he's been here just to be able to play on the field. It was amazing just to see, uh, a clip of it right before this interview, just how excited everyone was on the, on the defense, on the offense as a team, just cause we know, uh, EC, he's awesome. Uh, it was able, it was awesome just to see that. Oh, outstanding. Did you call him the haircut guy, by the way? Yeah, he cuts everyone's hair. Uh, yeah, whenever anyone needs a cut, you just let EC Capisi know. So <laughs> He's your pandemic hairstylist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Neil, congratulations on another win, man. Oh, Always appreciate you. the time, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Oh, thank you. Neil Poe on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Neil's doing a nice job. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Okay, that said, uh, it's time that we dial in our prop picks, Jerem, for Texas State, as much as we might not want to because it wasn't good. I don't avoid all right. Negativity, just because it's uncomfortable. Let's go. Jason was 17 points. You was 16, me with 15 going into the week. Number one, which yeah. BYU Cougar will be the first to score points against Texas State on Saturday? It was Lopini Katoa, a four-yard rush at the 7-0-3 mark. We were all wrong. Yeah, I said Algier. Jason said Milne. You said Wilson! Yeah, Zach Wilson had a run near the goal, and I thought, oh, baby! No, no. tackle the 10-yard line. Number two, BYU have over under 353 passing yards. That was the average going in. BYU threw for 352, Woo. which is barely under. And we all said under. Wow. One yard. One If yard. If BYU is one more yard. If Baylor Romney completes one more pass. Okay. Well, one for two through two. Number three, Texas State will score over under 14 points. They scored 14. Ben Bagley nailing the number there. It's a push. Who cares what we said? Number four, will the BYU defense score? 
Isaiah Kabusi scored a pick six. We all said no. You, you gave and Isaiah then, another then, reason to be on his naughty list. And then <laughs> you ruined his flag football game. You saw the defense was He doesn't care about flag. I'm kidding. Um, I said, but I think the defense will score, but it'll be called back. No flag. There was no flag, <laughs> but it was it was a great play. Yeah, again, I, seriously, that would have been worth three points, as Ben said on the show on Friday. That was if, a big one. Oh, if BYU had just... scored and a flag happened. <laughs> I must not have been listening, which is a pretty typical thing for me, uh, because that would have been something to take. <laughs> Losing one point versus gaining three? Oh, take that. Okay, and finally, how many teams ranked above BYU will lose on Saturday? I said two. You and Jason both said one. Thanks to an unbelievable finish oh, between man. Indiana and Penn State that is going to be a controversy for the rest of time, Indiana is the one team to take down a team ranked above BYU. Only one, and it was barely, it was a two-point conversion, right? So you and Jason both get that. I thought there would be two. I thought somewhere along the line. Right. Oklahoma State. Or Cincy uh, losing Miami, Virginia, SMU. Virginia, which was a five-point game. SMU-Cincinnati. smashed SMU. SMU is kind of a pretender. Yeah. They, they, they struggled a, against Tulane. They played a close game with Texas Seven State. Seven-point game, Texas State. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, SMU, I, now that you think about that one, that, that one, we if should they, have seen that one come. If they cheated better, like in the 80s, then they would be better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there, there, were, there were a bunch of close games, just didn't pan out. Yeah, so we didn't do very well on prop picks. Okay, update. But who cares? Jason's still in first place, 19 points. You're one point behind 18, and I am three points behind Jason. Let's play Know the Foe, Western Kentucky edition. Ben Bagley, take it away. What's up, Ben? All right, guys. went to the security firm of Nelson and Murdoch today, and mm-hmm. they just deemed that Jerem gets to go first. Camera, we'll he's on here. Cam- you're on the camera for the first time in yeah, a long hello. time. What's hello. up? You're back. All right, which TV show was WKU's Big Red not on? Has not made an appearance on. Is it Jeopardy, Deal or No Deal, Will of Fortune, or The Ellen DeGeneres Show? Wow. Ellen? Nope, that was Jeopardy. He's not been on Jeopardy. (laughs) Big Red's been on the other three? He has. That's incredible. All right, Spencer, which of the following is not listed as an inspiration or motivation in the the creation of Western Kentucky mascot, Big Red? Okay. The San Diego chicken. (laughs) Not playing into the Kentucky hillbilly stereotype. Oh, boy. The red towel-waving student body. Or an ink stain on creator Ralph Carey's sketch pad. I'm going to go with B, Ben. No, they absolutely did not want to play into the hillbilly stereotype. <laughs> the ink stain is the correct answer. Wow. <laughs> All right, San Diego Jeff. chicken. Torald Deshaun Smart, a former Hilltopper athlete, is better known as Shaka Smart, Texas head coach. Oh, nice. Rod Smart, oh, a.k.a. He Hate Me from the AXFL. <laughs> Keith Smart, Indiana head basketball coach, or Marcus Smart of the Boston Celtics. I don't think it's Marcus Ford because he went to uh, Oklahoma State, I thought. He went to Oklahoma State. How about He Hate Me? It is He yeah. Hate Me. <laughs> Jerem gets the first correct answer, Rod and he wins. Dude, Rod Smart went to Western Kentucky. <laughs> he Hate Me. XFL, dude. Part one. All right. Last one? Jerem got the right answer. He wins. First one, it's got to the point where first one gets the right answer wins. <laughs> Difficult questions. Well done, Ben. Thanks, Thanks Ben. Have you back on Good camera. to see you. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this.
Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Can't wait for this next segment because it features BYU defensive back D'Angelo Mandel, who grew up in extremely challenging circumstances, yet found a new family and a new home with BYU football. This is Deep Blue, presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. Oh, this is like the movies. Yes, oh, snap. just like that. Uh, yeah, Deep Blue, D'Angelo Mandel. Teammates like, like to be around him. It makes everybody laugh, so he's definitely a good guy for the team. Single ready to mingle. What? <laughs> uh, looking for that special somebody out here in Provo, Orem, anywhere in Utah. You can't season your food. Don't talk to me. I met him his freshman year as my sophomore year on the track team. Then as the season went on, he turned out to be a really standout athlete. When we were going to bigger meets, he was there. So he just kind of became more and more of a regular asset on our team. And we became really good friends after that. He was a permanent fixture here for quite a long time. After school, we'd hang out before practice, we'd get to practice, and then after practice, he'd come over for dinner. And he'd hang out until he had to be home at whatever his curfew was. You know, when the kids would come over, is just listen and throw in a few questions here and there. But with D'Angelo, I kind of knew that his situation was a little different. And I didn't, he wasn't going to be one that I could pry with. He was going to have to open up. And it would proceed from there. I grew up with my mom, like my biological mom for most of my life. She had me when she was young. I'm not saying it was easy for her, but I just think at that time when she had me, she still wanted to live the life that a 19-year-old want to live at that uh, point in your life. So for me, it was a little difficult because it got to the point where it was just like two roommates just living together. It wasn't like that mother-son bond that a lot of people have, especially when you're just with a single parent. So I got used to just being by myself all the time, just figuring things out for me and just enjoying alone time, I guess. And it wasn't always good because you don't always learn how to deal with things the right way when you're not taught certain things and you're just secluded by yourself so much. It all kind of came out when he had some dentist problem and he needed to get his teeth fixed and his mom wasn't able to take him. And it became this whole crazy thing. And when we all realized that, you know, he wasn't, getting all of the, the things he needed at home and wasn't having the care he needed. I remember in high school calling him because something was going really, really wrong with him and his family. And we sat on the phone all night because he was afraid to fall asleep. And him being so scared and he didn't even put his pajamas on. He left the lights on all night. And we stayed on the phone all night long talking because he didn't want to fall asleep and he was scared to fall asleep. And then he woke up as early as he could and we both met up at our high school campus so he could like, you know, get away. And I feel so guilty that he's ever felt that way. And I can't imagine how many nights he has felt that before that there was nobody to call, nobody to talk to. Kind of got a lot more shaky as just the, the day and week went on. And then a lot of court stuff got involved too. So I needed, we kind of had to figure out what, what, what we were gonna do from there. When I was a kid, it was just, I never had that real family feeling. Just, it was never there for me. And I kind of, I wouldn't say it, but me growing up, I envied it a lot. And that's what I really wanted. And 
when I finally met the Mandels and things weren't going well, they took me in. It just made everything so much better. It made my life a lot better. And honestly, it was just surprising to me, like, which is why I appreciate Adele so much, is because it was surprising how willingly she was able to take me in as if it was just like, it was nothing new. Like, she took me in as her own, treated me as her own. And like that whole family aspect that I was missing throughout my childhood is what I got from them. It just became apparent that he needed more love and more people to look out for him. And we were lucky that he wanted us to be those people. We didn't do anything special. He came into our lives and we opened up the door and he stayed. And I couldn't ask for a better person. He makes me proud every day. I'm not worried about him at all. He had every reason to not be a good kid. He had every reason to get into trouble and be a jerk or be ungrateful. And he's been an incredibly resilient person throughout his life, you know? So as much as it on the surface might have seemed like D'Angelo needed us and we're this, you know, family that took him in and whatever, it's D'Angelo's given all of us a lot more than I think that we've ever given him. And he's an incredible person and I'm really proud of him. He's a survivor. He found a way to survive with a very young parents, single parent uh, family. And um, he found a way to be successful in school, successful in track. He had some success in football, but really we recruited him for his development potential. And uh, I think some of those survival skills that, that he had learned didn't necessarily prepare him for, for college. And so he got here and changed his mind on some things and, and decided that the best thing for him was to go home. 18-year-old freshman. Uh, not knowing what to expect at all. And for some reason, I just hated everything. I hated the school, hated the people. Still love football, but I just wasn't enjoying it. I just was so unhappy. And one day I was like, I'm going to just go home. I talked to Kalani. I was like, I need to go home. This is not good for me right now. He had all of these years, 18 years or however long it was, living in a life where he felt alone a lot of the time and he didn't have that family unit that he wanted. And so for him to just have moved in at the end of his senior year, get this whole group of people, we have a big family, so he has all these people around him, and then he goes to a completely different state with completely different people and not knowing anyone. I think it's a really hard transition for anyone, let alone someone with feeling like they have an unstable background, you know, not having the support that you've wanted your whole life and then being ripped away from anything you do have. But then you come home and you're like, do I want to work at a grocery store and push shopping carts? He loves football, regardless of anything else. He loves football. We couldn't have presented him with the same learning experience that he went and got for himself. And so credit him for, for knowing that BYU wasn't the right place for him. And then again, credit him for knowing that at a later time it was. He realized that this is the best place for him. You know, and he's done a great job being here being a part of our culture, being a part of our system, and being a part of representing Jesus Christ and, and what the school is all about here, you know, our mission. So I've been really proud of him. And that's all stuff off the field, right? On the field, I've been really proud of things that he's done in improving his, his playing ability, improving his level of trust that he's gained from the, his teammates and from his coaches. And I'm just looking for him to just take off from this moment. Looking back on it, it's just this place hasn't changed. People haven't changed. The school, everything's the same. The issue at the time was just me. I just wasn't ready. I needed to take that year, year off and be at home and see how bad things were and just really soak everything in and understand that this place I need to be, this is where I want to be. 
After his year of not being a student athlete, when he took his year off and he was home, and we saw all of that play out, he came back to school. My mom and I went to his first game. He walked onto the field and we saw him. We were so excited and we both started crying separately, not together, not looking at each other or whatever. And we were so proud. And I have five brothers. D'Angelo's one of them. And I couldn't have been more proud of him. You know, that was like the culmination of so many things. It's the beginning of a new journey, but watching my brother walk onto the field with his jersey on, our name on the back, I like couldn't have been more proud to be his sister. Deep Blue, presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. What a hard life, man. What a hard life. He just grows up alone, essentially. And then the Mandels take him in. So when he came to BYU, he was D'Angelo Gunter. That was his given name, his biological name. He took their last name on. So what an emotional time for Ruby and the family to see him run out with Mandel oh. on the back of the jersey. And he continues to have that on the back of his uh, jersey. He had two tackles against Texas State. He's working his way into more playing time. But guess what? There's a lot of BYU fans that are D'Angelo Mandel fans. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that connection there. Man, I love that story. I love that family. Wow. Right. And they're not uh, members of the church or BYU fans, by the way. They just were friendly, right? It's and, incredible. And they've been blessed by his Humanity, presence in their life. You know, so. just Christ-like spirit. And they're BYU fans now, which is cool. Love it. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Does any part of you feel like tomorrow's a trap game? No, not at all. BYU's too focused. Western Kentucky is yeah. not good enough to really make BYU have to worry a ton. Not at all. What if I told you Western Kentucky hasn't scored 25 in a game this year? That would help that idea, right? Let's like, go ahead and double down on me I'm not pretty worried sure about it. BYU's going to score 40 plus, so no. Okay. All right, let's set up this next question with a quotable gem from BYU's Heisman hopeful quarterback, Zach Wilson. Here we go. Now, surprisingly, I think a lot more people watch it than they'd, they'd admit. You know, I think a bunch of our coaches watch it. I don't care what they say. I know they watch it. Um, I'm with me and, and my three roommates, two of our main receivers at home watching it, you know, and so <laughs> there's a whole bunch of guys that watch it. Uh, apparently, the BYU football team's all in on the Bachelorette, Jim. It being the Bachelorette. Mm-hmm. So, with that in mind, what's more likely? Zach Wilson as a Heisman winner or a contestant on The Bachelorette? Now, he's certainly in the Heisman conversation. I don't think he's going to win it, but if he's a finalist, that'd be awesome. This is a kid that, when he was enrolled early, graduated high school early, was at BYU as uh, the winter semester, what would be end of the senior year. He took two girls to prom, so I'm pretty sure the bachelorette would be a good thing for him. Oh, he'd be the bachelor. Right. Right? Right. All the women. I mean, like, he'd be a dude vying for the bachelorette. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think he'd do just fine. He's got the baby face. He's got the swagger. He's got the status as the quarterback. The quarterback. Jesse Palmer did this, Jerem. Jesse Palmer did this. It's Jesse Palmer's fault that Zach Wilson is going to be on The Bachelor. Is Zach Wilson Jesse Palmer part two? Yeah. In terms of The Bachelorette? Maybe. Uh, Zach Wilson, better quarterback than Jesse Palmer. College football bowl schedule is out. Which date should Cougar fans circle on their calendars? Oh, I don't know, Jerem. I was going to say the holiday bowl, but it's gone. Yeah. So my preseason projection... Of BYU playing in the Holiday Bowl, 
is not going to happen because they're not playing the game. Barry. Other than that, New Year's Six Bowls, Jerem. New Year's Six Bowls. December 30th, Cotton Bowl. Or the Fiesta Bowl. And then the other rando, December 21st, Myrtle Beach Bowl would be fun. Going to South Carolina? Although that's the Sunbelt Conference USA MAC game, but it's owned by ESPN, so there's always a chance. Pass on Williams. You busy, bro? Hi, son Williams! We need an analyst. Myrtle Beach Bowl. Let's go, baby. (laughs) I miss him. Back to the Heisman conversation. Mm -hmm. The front runner in that convo and prospective number one NFL draft pick Trevor Lawrence of Clemson has unfortunately tested positive for COVID-19 and must isolate from his team. Ten days. He's probably out for a few games. How does Trevor Lawrence's positive COVID result affect Zach Wilson's Heisman resume? Not a ton. Trevor Lawrence is a clear number one. Then it's probably, you know, Mac Jones and or Justin Fields at that point. So just being in the conversation is probably pretty good. If he's top five at the end, that's awesome. If he's a finalist, that's incredible. Trevor Lawrence is hands down the fair. It's it's Trevor Lawrence and then the rest. There's a huge chasm between Trevor Lawrence and the rest of the candidates. He would have to sit out the remainder of the season, really, for this to be a thing. And it's it's going to be a game or two. So, no, no deal here. Could a Nebraska Big Ten rift be a good thing for BYU's conference expansion hopes? Yes, it adds to the chaos. I want chaos theory. I want it implemented in college football. Okay, Malcolm. Just throw things into a big old pot, stir it around, and then dump it out and see what happens. Perhaps it is. I'm not convinced that anyone's going to expand per se. We keep assuming there's expansion. No, that, that's, but teams have to add value. It could be poaching, they, too. Like, they, it doesn't have to be expansion. Right. There needs to be some movement. Who's going to move? I, I'm not convinced that that will necessarily happen at all. Hopefully it does for BYU, but no one has to do anything. Can we banish a few underperforming football programs from Power 5 status? I wish, dude. But, can we, can but we get no. that going? Relegation, Kansas, please. Kansas football is the example of why that's never going to happen. They exist. <sighs> Power 5 relegation would be the greatest thing ever. Called. Yeah, yeah. the uh, motherland agrees Context. soccer. You want context? Sheffield for Wednesday. Three promoted. And eight, three and eight Kansas versus... Whoever, late in the season, like, oh, loser, drops down to, to G5 the status. American Athletic like, Everything has context. Oh, it would be so fun. There's no way that will ever happen. Yeah, I, I, I want chaos. more chaos, the better. Holy yoli, he jumped out of the gym at the NBA Combine. Jerem, which number will be better? Yoli Child's 38-and-a-half-inch vertical or the overall pick he potentially could be selected with in the NBA draft. So would he be the 38th pick or better, right? I, I think he'll be after 38, somewhere in the second round. Uh, that'd be ninth pick of the second round or beyond. There's, it goes up to 60. But it feels like he could be a second rounder, right? First rounder feels like a stretch at this point, although that would be awesome. But uh, second round would be uh, nice for Yoli. If he's undrafted, maybe it's a better option. Like we talk about the NFL where it's like, hey, it's better to be a undrafted free agent than it is a sixth or seventh round pick. Yes. Sometimes. But there's value in being wanted by a specific team, right? Like they, Well, unless that team stinks. You just want to play for the New York Knicks. No, the Knicks are the worst. No. <laughs> Not a fan. I, I think Yoli Childs has played himself into a draft pick. I couldn't be more happy for him. 2020 has been a weird year across all sports. There are some European guys that are not going to be in the draft this year because they're kind of monitoring the situation. This is all good for Yoli. I, I, I'm with you. I think he's somewhere between 45 and 55 when all is said and done in the second round. If he's Mr. Irrelevant in basketball, that wouldn't be the worst thing either. No. As long as it's not as the l- Knicks, right? As long as it's not the Knicks. As long as it's not the That's Knicks. too good of a pick for the Knicks. 
That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.